Hello, and again, welcome to BitDepth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is... Daniel Ramones. Hi, how are you? I'm doing good, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. Thank you for doing this with me and allowing me to be self-indulgent and talk about my music. Although this is also your music, technically. Yeah, technically. I mean, <laughs> as far as my music goes, there's not a long list. So. <laughs> but I got you to play on this track today. We're talking about Familial, which is the fourth track on Bloom, and you play saxophone on it. Mm -hmm. So I guess first things first, how do you feel about the track? <laughs> I like it. It makes me happy. I like how contrapuntal it is. I think that the way the each specific voice is layered it was done really intelligently, and I, I really appreciate that. I think it's really easy when you start adding more than two voices to repeat the same idea melodically, and I don't think you did that at all, which hmm. I really appreciated. <laughs> well, cool. Now, what thoughts or questions do you have for me? <laughs> well, having taken a crack at writing music here and there myself, the thing that was always hardest for me was writing melodies. Mm. And I know it's kind of a age old, kind of a trite idea, mm. but how do you, how do you approach that? How did you approach that in this track? Yeah. So I think at first the melody is actually the first thing that came. Interesting. In a weird way. I, I don't think I, try to write melodies if that mm -hmm. makes sense mm -hmm. a lot of times it's just like improvising and yeah. I, I usually do a very intuitive approach to melodies okay especially at the time that i wrote this i knew a lot less about music mm -hmm. and so i think i was just as most of the the ideas based on piano around that time it was when you and I both were in music school, actually, mm -hmm. and in practice room, just not practicing the things I should be practicing right. and just noodling around on piano. I had that thing. The Yeah, it sounds on its own. It sounds almost just just like a basic arpeggio, but it goes a little bit further than just that. Yeah. Which I think makes it more interesting and it makes it a good foundation. Yeah. I think the other part that makes it a nice melody to hear, one, it doesn't start on the downbeat. Mm -hmm. And so there's a little bit of like a syncopation to it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I think the approach to melody that I usually have is just, does it fit? And mm -hmm. where is it going? Mm-hmm. And so with that, it's like it's starting somewhere, but then it does do the arpeggio of the five, seven chord up to somewhere. Yeah. Even though it kind of dies off, it still like feels like motion. Right. And a lot of my stuff at the time and on this album is very loop based. Yeah. And so I would just take an idea and rather than go somewhere else melodically, I would just sit in that space and put stuff on top of it. And so instead of growing sideways, I was growing upwards. Yeah. And so the, I mean, I guess this other one. 
Yeah, it never, it never resolves fully. Right. Yeah, and and that allows it to just keep looping. Mm-hmm. And then whenever the like alternate sections come in, then more of it can go somewhere else. Yeah. And so it's kind of funny looking back at it because I can be a little bit more judgy about it. The intro or like the beginning of it is just kind of introducing all the voices and hey, mm-hmm. here's all the stuff that we're playing with. Right. So here's a piano, here's another melody, here's the chords, here's some guitar, and here's this there's a guitar melody, then there's a flute, and then there's a saxophone. Mm-hmm. And so all of that is playing this idea and then this other kind of section comes in, but it's short. Mm-hmm. And so it's like Hey, here's some comfort and eh, let's back away from it. And then here's the comfort again. Yeah. And then there's like a longer sort of C-section that really, <laughs> that really cuts the baby out. <laughs> exactly what um, I was thinking. And so it like, it is, like you said, contrapuntal. It has the play with the piano and the flute to kind of do communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think what I appreciate about that, about the way that you use the same versions of these melodies is is what I really enjoy out of a lot of the great looping artists. Mm-hmm. Like you think Ratatat, you think Daft Punk. Mm-hmm. It's that they're using the same toys over and over again and they lead it to a point to where it, it feels entirely different. Mm-hmm. And that's what you do in this track. I mean, it, it, it has a peak Mm. without necessarily having anything that's outside of it, you know? And that's, I think that makes it fun to listen to. Yeah. Yeah, I think using those alternate sections that go away from the loop can really help push once you get back to that home feeling Mm -hmm. of that initial melody, Mm -hmm. especially after that long C-section, yes, C-section joke again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can, like, once it jumps back to that, it's like, whoa, hey, here we are again how nice it is to come back here. Right. And so that's the, I don't, I don't know if all of that was intentional to like, I guess I wouldn't have explained it then the way I just did now, Mm -hmm. but that's probably where my intuition was going, why I wanted to go somewhere else for a little bit and why I went back to the home thing. Yeah. It's almost Sonata-ish in that way. Sure. Yeah. And this is kind of one of the more like, classical feeling ones on the album. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, which is, I mean, interesting that it would have been me who ended up playing on this more (laughs) classical one when my whole musical world was all classical and you're a lot of everything. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the it's funny because, like, I think even at the time while we were both in classical music, Mm -hmm. I was still not, like, all the way in. And that's no. probably why I changed majors anyways, because I still wasn't all the way in. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. I think what's what's interesting, too, about this is that the way you explain your way of writing melody is for itself or going somewhere. It sounds almost like an avant-garde sort of <laughs> definition, you know, music for music's sake, mm-hmm. just like art for art's sake kind of idea. And it's it explains an evolution of your compositional talents. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And especially, again, at this time, I wasn't really trying to 
do something like I wasn't going somewhere. I wasn't, I need to write a piece that's like this. The music came first. Yeah. And so me noodling around on piano in the practice room was the foundation. It wasn't like, I want to write a piece so that Daniel can play on it. So Uh I can feel like I have interacted with family in my musical (laughs) creation, which is sort of the retroactive meaning that I've given the piece Mm -hmm. by giving it this title. Right. <laughs> but even then, like the title doesn't have to be there. It doesn't have to feel like family. But now I can sort of look back at it and be like, yeah, the way that the flute and the piano talk to each other is kind of how I have this idea now of like family is a relationship that you don't have a choice about. Right. And that may not always result in purely positive experiences there's going to be some ups and downs but at the end of the day we're still connected by mm-hmm. blood and really by the genes well yes i was going to say by water because the phrase that's like blood is thicker than water is yeah. actually like the opposite of what it means because it it goes the bonds made in blood are thicker than the water of the womb And so it's like whenever you like cut your hand and do a blood handshake with a friend, Mm -hmm. that's like a friend bond that is stronger than like a family bond. Interesting. Yeah. That, that phrase is actually backwards. Yeah. Uh, And the way that people use it is backwards. But so like we're connected by water rather than blood. (laughs) That's, uh, I mean, while there is water in that fluid, it's mostly <laughs> there's, other there's things. Also, there's a lot of blood. Uh, <laughs> but to go back to this family idea is that you can, I guess, like anyone could just disavow themselves from family mm-hmm. and just completely disconnect. Mm-hmm. But whether you like it or not, that connection is still going to be there. You mm-hmm. still came from the same womb, you still are a part of this thing. And so, yes, you may want to, or you may be able to willingly separate, but that's still there. And I feel like because that bond is there, I would encourage anyone to pursue, to continue to connect that bond. Well, you know, it's, I think there's a lot to be said for, without meaning it this way, while it's still, you know, saying it, you are biased. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Because considering any sort of negative experience we may have gone through in our childhood, however few they really were, our family bonds have always been really strong. You know, there's something a lot to be said, too, for for just our community, just Latin community is usually very, very dependent on family. Yes. But the fact that you, me and our older brother, Jesus, went through such a specific type of childhood experience Mm -hmm. in coming to America part two. (laughs) I think there's something that we have in common with each other that we don't with most of the people that we come in contact with. Yeah. And, you know, I think our parents have this, this kind of symbolic meaning to us as the old guard, you know, our life that we had Mm -hmm. in Venezuela, however little of of it there was there. We've experienced so much together here and we experienced both of those things. So, you know, I think there's a lot of people who have really terrible family relationships sure, sure. and and what you say is true, but 
I've seen situations in which yeah. I was, my advice was like, Hey, stay out of your family. Like leave, leave your family <laughs> yeah, to yeah. do their foolishness Sure, and yeah. you get out. But you know, we are lucky Yeah, in that. I mean, the worst of our family relationships has really not been all that bad. Right. And okay. So, and I appreciate that perspective. And so to update that, it's like, I guess, nourish the family relationships while they are still able to be nourished. Absolutely. Yeah. And if it becomes beyond toxic and abusive, then yeah, you definitely should get out of there. Exactly. Uh, But while those relationships are still able to be nurtured and helped and reinforced, Mm -hmm. then yeah. Because, I mean, there's, there's also the instances where there may be family that you might lose too soon and you mm. wish that you could have Absolutely. established that connection. Yeah. Well, and, and two, on top of what I said, like automatically your family does deserve more effort than any person that you've met. I mean, mm. in most instances, <laughs> you know, there's of course outliers of, you know, crack babies who are left right, in a yeah, dumpster left and birth. things like that. But I think if your family put up with you, through your childhood and was there for you, even if they did a bad job, they still deserve a good amount of effort. Sure. You know? Yeah. All of that to say that like this little thing. I mean, with this one specifically, I think the rhythmic counterpoint is, I mean, it's, it's so cool. Right. And then, and then the other one, which is the longer one. To me, the idea of counterpoint is kind of like a discussion or argument mm-hmm. that like family members might have. But then in the end, everything kind of leads back to that home feeling to where, yeah, even though we might have our differences, like we're still connected. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I can back backwards ascribe yeah. a meaning to it. Yeah. And We'll always Tito together. <laughs> well, you might sew dough and I might tea dough or vice That's versa. But, but we're still leading to dough. Exactly. Or dough cord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like the piece and, and what I like about it is its simplicity. Mm-hmm. My curiosity was there about your approach to writing music because for me, it was, there was always a purpose, mm-hmm. you know, there was always a reason, something I was trying to write for or just, I don't know, an idea. Right. You know, I want to be able to have a piece that sounds like it could be in in a action movie mm-hmm. or something like that. Or there was one that I wrote that like I wanted to be descriptive of the story of Prometheus Bound. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I guess just outside of just this piece alone, have you ever kind of written with that sort of romantic, romanticist approach? Yeah, definitely. There's there's still there's still a string quartet that I have that I can't title other than just 
string quartet. Like, yeah. <laughs> it it definitely has emotions and feelings in it and some sort of imagery. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know what it's saying concretely. Yeah. yeah. And so it still remains to be this just like it is sounds it is music yeah and it i like how it sounds and it that string quartet isn't the only other thing but it like there is definitely stuff that sometimes stuff just pops out Mm -hmm. and i don't know what to do with it and sometimes it's hard to just title it because titling things gives them meaning yeah and sometimes the meaning is just the music itself and then yeah there's like you said having purpose and stuff. There's definitely lots of other stuff where I'll write and be like, I want this to feel like this. Mm-hmm. I want this to evoke some sort of feeling. I want this to evoke some sort of imagery. Mm-hmm. But I feel like even with this one, maybe the meaning comes from, even if it began as just like music for music's sake, it, the instruments that are in it are also what evokes some of the feelings and maybe some of the imagery and so like having the having a guitar mm-hmm. or having an acoustic guitar yeah that gives it such a friendly sound yeah or even like the percussion that I chose, like a shaker mm-hmm. or there's still some drums, but it's like mostly auxiliary percussion. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this specifically gives it kind of a kumbaya feel, you know, <laughs> yeah. which is, I mean, you know, plays back into that familial. Sure. Yeah. And then it does, you could even have it be like, an actual family like in a room because these are all instruments that humans play right not just electronics and so yeah like a family coming together and like playing around because it's just Mm -hmm. one five yeah and then whenever the other sections happen like it's only two people and so like hey we're going somewhere else and so maybe not everyone might be able to play along with this but then once it comes back it's like hey everyone can join in on this simple one five thing i like that i think that that's a really cool kind of description it makes it's really easy for me to picture it that way because it's there's almost some more virtuosic parts mm-hmm. uh so you have maybe like the one one sibling is like a really good player and then <laughs> there's a sibling that's just like hey i'm not great at music but i can shake these shakers <laughs> and sure. you know coming together then they just they're just having a conversation yeah cool yeah. Do you want me to spare you from hearing your solo saxophone? I can handle the sound of my playing more than the sound of my voice. <laughs> and I've been doing yeah. pretty well so far. The, I guess something to note while I am bringing us here is that I didn't give you like sheet music to, Mm-mm. hey, play this. Mm-hmm. I This was kind of one of the very first instances of my like, collaborative recording of music Mm -hmm. which is just like i made a thing want to be a part of it and rather than being just like here is the music i'm composer you are music machine right like i do so much with the computer Mm -hmm. but 
instead it was I have a thing put your signature onto it mm-hmm. whatever that might be and yeah. so I didn't take all of the things that you had played just because you were improvising on top of the chord progression but mm-hmm. like I grabbed the nice stuff and <laughs> put that in also put a delay on it because it sounds cool to keep playing me playing saxophone instead of just talking to me i think i'd be much happier with that as a podcast and well i mean i like taking the time to what i wanted to acknowledge that little ending there My nice little vibrato yeah, yeah, yeah it was good uh, <laughs> but i like taking the time to like show each little piece just because you may not be paying attention when you're listening to the whole track. And so it's like, Hey, here's each little component. And Mm -hmm. I do think that even though it was kind of like spontaneously spur of the moment, like here, play a thing in my room, Mm -hmm. the things that you added to it make this track more special one, because it's you and you're my brother and I love you, (laughs) but it's also because that, collaboration and that trust i know you have a musical foundation Mm -hmm. and knowledge about this that i can just give you here's a one five progression and you can just play over it Mm -hmm. and it made sense to you and that's how musical collaboration works and without that i feel like this piece would be radically different i respect that yeah i like i like hearing that (laughs) i think I mean, for me specifically, I was I was pretty close to the peak of my playing at that point in time. If I'd known that it was going to be something I was going to talk about years later, I probably would have chosen a less airy read. <laughs> but otherwise, I feel pretty good about how it sounds. And I, I feel pretty good about it specifically, too, because improvising through my saxophone was not ever something that I did. You know, I the closest... And best improvising I ever did was through finale. <laughs> just, yeah. You know, just like actually five arrow up, arrow down, mm-hmm. S, F, you know, <laughs> the, the hotkeys on finale. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and like, you know, creating melodies that way. I, I was never good enough at the piano to create melodies there. I could play major scales and stuff like that, but it, it never it never felt comfortable. And even though I played the saxophone for what, like 13, 14 years, sure. something like that. I was on the page saxophone player, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, I could sight read a good deal of, of, you know, saxophone sheet music and what I couldn't sight read, Mm -hmm. what was too hard. I could take a couple weeks, take a crack at it and play it pretty dang well. Sure. And sure, just because this is a podcast and so we can just have that, the conversation, even though it doesn't necessarily have to be about the track, but like, I do think that, and this is a, idea that coincides with the stuff we've been saying anyways, but I do feel like classical music doesn't take enough time to encourage improvisation in its performers. I agree and with that. I, I do think it's kind of a shame that like even extremely virtuosic 
performers are mm-hmm. basically reduced to music machines. Right. And so... As, well, I mean, interpretation machines. Sure. You know, because I think there is there is a lot to be said for that, too, because I, I didn't just, you know, mm-hmm. play what was on the page. I did put myself into it, but I never, mm-hmm. you know, produced my own sounds. Sure. And and I think that's the the thing is that whenever you ask even even really good players mm-hmm. to just like just play something, a lot of times people freeze up mm-hmm. or they don't know where they're going mm-hmm. and it's scary because we don't spend enough time encouraging that right. freedom and that creativity to just be like play. It's okay. Right. <laughs> well, and and you know it's it's interesting too because whenever in all the instances in which I have been asked to improvise, I needed a full theoretical breakdown of what was <laughs> yeah. going on before I could just play, you know? Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, oh, hold on. We're in the key of F sharp. Okay, that's A to me. And oh, okay, you're going one four, minor four, minor four, that's uh, C sharp, <laughs> E, D, okay, or E, F sharp, okay. And you are going where? Like, I needed to know everything that was happening, even if somebody's just playing on a guitar and they're like, well, I got an F here and a C here and a P flat here. I needed, like... Every note that you're playing on that guitar, mm-hmm. I need to know what it is so I can play off of that. And it is, you know, it's a completely different talent. Mm-hmm. I remember in high school in Wind Symphony, we had a Sam Hazo piece called Ride. Yeah. And it's a beautiful piece. Yeah. It's super fun. It makes you want to like run from bad guys kind of. Mm-hmm. And there's one little spot where there's just a little bit of improv. They ask you to do just a little bit of improv. Yeah. And it like scared my socks off, yeah. you know. Being the first chair and senior alto saxophone player, like even there, I just, my talents weren't there, you know? Sure. But it is like, it is interesting because something that I actually talked about in the podcast before this one, Mm -hmm. which is I was always shy about my voice and singing because whenever you're playing an instrument, that's, you're like one step disconnected from you at least. Yeah. You hide. Sure. But then when it's your voice, it's still like, it's very much you. You can't detach yourself from Mm -hmm. your voice. But then in a way by asking someone to improvise on their instrument, that's going directly back to them and you're kind of bypassing the instrument and being like, well, I want your brain to go through the instrument. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's not what is being asked for by an orchestra yeah. because it's like, no, you, you are given the notes and you play the notes. Right. And so then you're being asked for more than just the notes on the page. Right. And that is scary. And that is a truest form of you in that instance. And mm-hmm. that can be scary, but hopefully over time and kind of going back to the album, this, this album is a time capsule of, my growth as a musician mm-hmm. and it was me allowing myself to be free to create. And so without necessarily having to focus on the pressure of it being a certain way or mm-hmm. it being right or it having a point, yeah, it was just my escape from, especially at the time being in classical world. Yeah. It was my form of escape to be like, let me just make something Mm -hmm. and be happy with it. Mm -hmm. And that can be a 
truer reflection of who I was then rather than just singing the art songs that I was then, which was a form of expression for me too. Yeah, absolutely. But this even more so. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I I can respect that, you know, and I, I think it's really interesting to see that growth from you, you know, because I think just around that time was whenever you stepped out of UCO, right? Mm. And yeah, started going to ACM. ACM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I saw that, saw you grow in comfort from mm. that, you know, because it is, it is kind of a tight butt world. Yeah. <laughs> the classical world, you know, and I think, I think my aspirations into it weren't necessarily either filling into the tight butt space either. <laughs> it was more that I wanted to be the leader of the tight butts. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I you mean, have I, the I, tightest I, of the butts. Yeah. Right. I wanted to conduct, you know, so yeah. it would have been, it was cool. And that's kind of what my expression was. And that's where, where I'd say that the interpretation matters a lot when you're yeah. just reading off the page, because that's the, that is absolutely the coolest part of the job of a conductor mm-hmm. is that, you know this piece so well that you are taking what's on the page and creating something that nobody's ever done before. Yeah. You know, it's still Beethoven's fifth. It's still Nimrod. It's still what, what have you. But, you know, those specifically, I mean, those two and, and a couple others I could name right off the spot. It's every time they're played, they're completely different. Yeah. You know, you can't find two similar recordings of Beethoven's mm-hmm. fifth. And that's cool. That like comes from the the conductor. Yeah, it comes from the musicians too. You know, but the but in a true professional orchestra, that conductor mm. was a part in choosing the musicians to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it is kind of like the conductor is playing the instrument that is the orchestra. Yeah. And so, in one sense, yeah, you can play the instrument of a saxophone, but it's a completely different thing to play the instrument that mm-hmm. is. The orchestra. Right. And the expression that comes with that and the connection that comes with that. And Mm -hmm. that should be the goal of making music is the connection, the kind of overused quote at this point that I've been hearing a lot, but self-forgetting at oneness that comes through music. Yeah. Uh, I heard that sentence a little too many times in my masters, uh, uh-huh. but <laughs> the, but that is the goal. And so sometimes the institutions get really bogged down into what is necessary to yeah. make that happen. What does, what does legato mean? What does uh, adagio mean? What does, <laughs> you know, all that specific kind of thing. Right. I get that. Yeah. That reminds me of the the master class we had with David Maslenko. Were you ever there for mm-hmm. it? Okay. He used to talk about being in, in the circle and mm. like his circle was like another way of saying being in the zone. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's whenever you are completely removed from everything that happened that day, all yeah. of your worries, and you are so entirely focused on this piece yeah. and where, you know, you and the the performer next to you feel like one entity altogether and yeah. the piece is all that matters. Right. And that's why it's important to have a conversation with the composer as well. Oh, yeah. Rather than just the conductor. Because yeah, I feel like at the time too, like, Dr. Lamb was talking about like, oh, don't like you keep playing wrong notes and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like it was there being like, 
it's okay if you play wrong notes. Yeah. I want you to feel it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's when it really feels cool is when you're like two measures ahead. Your eyes are two measures ahead of where mm-hmm. your fingers are and you're just kind of you're just kind of going into the piece, yeah. you know? It's it's a cool feeling. Yeah. I miss it. <laughs> Daniel, thank you for doing this with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Where can we find you and your things if you have things to <laughs> plug? Uh, I guess your restaurant. If yeah. You want, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Come to Mexican Radio, 1734 Northwest 16th Street. Make a reservation on Open Table or just call ahead 405-900-5608 is our phone number. I'm the general manager. The bar menu is my baby. There's a lot of drinks in there. The fizzy Paloma, the casual old fashioned, lots of things I'm really proud of. Our food is incredible as well. I dared to open the floodgates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you did. It's, I mean, I love that place. I put my, my heart and soul into Definitely. it. Yeah. Come check me out. I'm always yeah. there. No, it, it makes me really happy to like see you do that though, actually. So. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. What is dare I do this to you, but what is best taco? Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> well, you know, it goes back and forth daily for me. I can't eat tacos every day or I'd, else I'd be a blob. <laughs> but the ones that whenever I do indulge, I go for the Jack taco. I go for the fried chicken taco, the fried shrimp po' boy, egg and brisket. Oh, egg and brisket's really good. Mm. We smoke the brisket in house. It's got salsa roja, fried egg, refried beans, flour tortilla. It's awesome. Yeah. It's a good thing I just ate so that I don't have the desire <laughs> to eat again. <laughs> that's totally cool. And I mean, if you're, despite everything that's going on right now, even if you don't feel like going out to eat, you know, even though we're we're all sanitizing, we're all wearing masks and all that, you can do curbside. Mm-hmm. And we're happy to bring it out to your car and... They travel well, too. Yeah. Yeah, we did that the other day. Exactly really right. Good. Exactly right. There you go. <laughs> Once again, thank you. Yeah. I loved it. And now here's Familial in its entirety.
You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. Bloom will be available on August 8th, streaming everywhere. Put it on in the background, put it on your workout playlist, show it to your friends so you can all enjoy it together. You can also buy the thing and get bonus content to get a bit deep into the emotions you can feel with it. I also make music with PowerCycle, an experimental electronic trio. Our first completely improvised album, Too Many Damn Cables, is streaming everywhere. More to come from PowerCycle in the future. To support this podcast, leave reviews, comments, tell your friends about it, and buy my music, because by supporting me, you're supporting the podcast. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails, it's going to be okay, I might be wrong.